Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Good morning. I'm Michelle Martin. Asia Pacific markets are trading mixed this morning following an up and down session on Wall Street overnight. Tokyo up two thirds of a percent. Sydney in the green as well. But Seoul is losing ground this morning. The Kospi trading down nearly one percent. Joining me now as we break down all the market action. Good morning, Ryan Huang. Morning, Michelle. Let's start this morning with a trio of corporate stories about locally listed companies. Now, the first is about unlocking value. The second, about the danger of weak financials. And the third, some might say, is about how to work a negative headline. While others could argue it's a reflection of the company's strong business, not spin. All right, let's get to it. The three companies on the hot plate this morning are Singtel, Lipo Malls Indonesia Retail Trust, and DBS. Singtel is reportedly in talks to sell off its advertising tech business, Amobi, which works with brands, agencies and media companies to target users better across both television and digital media as well. So why does Singtel want to sell Amobi, Ryan, and how much might it go for? Yeah, this really brings me back into the day when I covered the um, announcement that they bought Amobi. So back then, it was a move to diversify Singtel's revenues into things that at that time were pretty much the up-and-coming things, you know, ad tech and advertising and digital. And back then, it looked quite promising. Some analysts were actually quite optimistic, but this time around, as you've seen in how things have played out, MOB did not really work for Singtel. If you look at how it has performed financially, it is still loss-making. And if you look at the write-downs, the value of MOB has also been going down. So on the table, we have the report that MOB could be sold to the tune of £165 million. So that's around $280 million. And this is as Singtel starts to actually change direction back to looking at its entire business. Back last year, it talked about a strategic reset and it's been talking about divesting some of its existing assets to bring capital to the tune of $3 billion back. So it's been looking at a couple of things and now it looks like MOB could be next in line. Earlier this month, we learned that Singtel netted nearly $1 billion in profits during the second half of its financial year. Those numbers came in below expectations, though. And over the past month, Singtel shares are down 4.5%. So if the divestment does go through with a Mobi, do, you, do analysts believe that this will improve Singtel's profitability? Yeah, it does look that way. So looking back at its acquisition price, Singtel bought MOB back then in 2012 for 321 million US dollars. So it will be selling at the loss if the divestment goes through at 165 million pounds. But it is loss making, so cutting that off will help it, I think, reset its business position and to focus its energies and resources where the growth opportunities are. There have been um, some criticism from analysts that the synergies were just not there because MOB has a huge US presence where Singtel does not. So Singtel will not get the influence it would have hoped to have uh, and the synergies it hoped to have by trying to harvest business opportunities in the US. So that's something that did not play out. Uh, the value of MOB has also been written down over the past few years. If you look at FY 2020, it was uh, the latest 195 million. 
The year before it, it was 589 million. And then now this year, it's at 310 million. So you've got an asset that's been dwindling in value and its fortunes does not look to be turning around anytime soon. So for Singtel, it will be something of a positive to be able to cut it off. I want to look at Lippo Mall's Indonesia Retail Trust now, more commonly known as LMIRT. Moody's is downgrading this REIT. Now, why is that? Okay, so what we are hearing from Moody's is that LMIRT's credit metrics will remain weak and it is facing heightened refinancing risk as well in a tight funding market. So something that is just compounded with the COVID-19 situation where you've got an an environment of uh, inflation, slower growth. And looking at what Moody is also saying, the interest coverage by the trust is expected to stay weak at 1.5 to 1.6 times through 2023. And it might worsen with rising interest rates given its high proportion of floating rate debt. So bear in mind that that's been going up in the past three years. Look at the fixed rate debt ratio. It's uh, currently only making up 42.5%. So that could be something that um, will be a factor on its financial position. Is this part of a trend now of locally listed REITs with overseas assets facing problems because of the Singapore dollar strength? We touched on this briefly yesterday. Yeah, that's a good point, Michelle. So this is definitely part of the equation where we have a FED, FOMC, just hiking rates. Conversely, the rest of the world, especially in Asia, emerging markets will be struggling to catch up. And that will mean a weaker currency for the likes of Indonesia. So a weakening rupiah uh, relative to the Singapore dollar will likely mean um, margins, profits will be eroded to some extent. And they'll expose the REIT to a decline as well in asset value. So something that could mean ratings to be downgraded even more if the backdrop worsens and of course the risk of the refinancing opportunities and costs of it will also weigh on the REIT. Back to Lipo Mall's Indonesia retail REIT. LMIRT is trading at 5.4 cents per unit. That is actually about 6% higher over the past three months but it is still 18% down from a year earlier. And Moody says an upgrade within the next 12 to 18 months is unlikely given the negative outlook. All right. Our third corporate story this morning centers on DBS. Our sister publication, The Business Times, wrote a, uh, an opinion piece. And DBS has written into The Business Times to complain about the paper's coverage, as well as a, an opinion piece that included a reference to DBS CEO Piyush Gupta's salary, which jumped nearly 50% last year. What is uh, at the heart of the grievance here? Yeah, it's all around the topic of what's called the windfall tax. It's something that's actually quite interesting in concept. So we've seen how in COVID-19 times, some sectors did better, some did not do well, some did not survive, and some really enjoyed boom time. So think about the um, medical companies, the drug makers. So many of them had astronomical profits. So the idea here is if they are able to enjoy so much in terms of business, maybe we should tax them more because we need to pay, or at least the government needs to pay for other things to help offset the pressures from the other parts of the economy. And that's the idea here. And this is something the UK actually came up with, um, something that many countries have been looking at. And if you look at the UK, energy companies, for example, will have to pay an additional 25% tax for the next 12 months because of the higher prices they've been able to see and get margins from. 
Um, conversely, um, what the idea in the opinion piece by Business Times is saying, you know, when companies are doing well, they have to also be mindful of the optics when they reward their higher management. For example, one of the companies being singled out is DBS, which posted strong annual growth in 2021. And they also rewarded its CEO, Piyush Gupta, to the tune of 48% rise in profit. So this is something where the opinion piece argues that companies like DBS enjoy government support, so they have to be mindful of how that plays out in terms of remuneration for their executives so that it doesn't become or come across or be perceived as unfair and too excessive. Uh, I think this is where DBS is responding, that you know, it depends on your point of view um, because DBS, the CEO, actually went through a pay cut going into COVID-19 and then the um, normalization of his salary is why the percentage 48% is that high. So that's one argument coming through from DBS in response to the point from the opinion piece. So Italy's government imposing a 25% one-off levy on energy companies. Uh, the piece asks if Singapore should follow suit. What do you make of this and the grievance? Oh, it is a definitely good point and I think worth looking at because it does make sense, right? If hmm. someone is making money, you should be doing your part to help the other parts that are not doing well. So definitely something that should be kept in conversation. Uh, of course, the trick here is the balance. What is the exact price and to what point will it just be a deterrent for risk-taking and for companies who actually plan well and should enjoy some of the benefits that they position themselves for. So something to keep in mind as we see how to navigate this new environment. And whether or not tax transfers are the best way to reward stakeholders uh, in the company's success. All right, let's turn to the world of cryptocurrencies now, where there are a lot of headlines this morning, starting with a decision by the Monetary Authority of Singapore to issue three new crypto licenses. What's the latest, Ryan? All right, three more, and that makes 14, total number 14 who have gotten the regulatory approval. And the three, the latest three are Crypto.com and trading platforms Genesis and Sparrow Exchange. So they have received in-principle approval and with this license, the digital payment token license, they can offer crypto services. So something that really shows Singapore is in a way embracing the space very carefully and showing Singapore's desire to work with blockchain and digital asset companies. Uh, and, that, and this is also worth noting, 200 applicants have so far tried to get the license only 14 have managed to get one. So it shows the level of scrutiny and really the level of um, carefulness that is being um, used to figure out who should be getting a license. Mm. So far, some of the names include Revolut, DBS Vickers, CoinHako, and I think we should be seeing more to come as uh, this space develops. Another crypto story that caught my attention this morning, Ryan, is about an exchange-traded fund. It's called the Purpose Bitcoin ETF, which recorded a uh, record one-day outflow last week. 500 million US dollars and that huge withdrawal of some 24,000 bitcoins has started a real guessing game about who is behind it. What do we know? <laughs> we don't know who <laughs> was behind it, but what we can tell is Likely, it was due to, in a way, margin calls or forced liquidation where someone had to sell his or her Bitcoins to fund his other 
needs. So this seemed to show that this huge chunk of Bitcoin uh, was because the uh, lender had to liquidate something to just address his other collaterals that um, were being under pressure because of the wider uh, meltdown elsewhere. We saw the stock markets under pressure and that sell-off just triggering some pressures elsewhere as well. Uh, we've seen crypto prices down. Bitcoin, for example, 15% down to its recent lows of 17599 the lowest in nearly two years. So that's um, showing how much pressure is on speculative assets right now. And so this huge outflow, 500 million US dollars withdrawn, um, a signal then of leverage unwinding in the ecosystem. Let's move now to the world of tech. And for this, I have up or down. You can play as well. Ryan, are you ready? Let's go. Let's start with Twitter. Right, Twitter's going to be up for me. So it's testing Mm. something new, a feature called long-form text features called notes. So it's something that could make you... Um, give you the give you the allowance of 280 characters right now. 160 might not be enough for some of you. <laughs> it started testing notes uh, nearly five years ago, and it's also going to in the coming months test that edit button. So, but what do you think of this whole idea of Twitter notes? It definitely is something that I think the market has been looking out for and needs because I've seen so many pictures of tweets where people just write a note, take a picture, and put it as a Twitter picture. So it is something people, I think, desire. Uh-huh. A long-form way to just capture more thoughts and to share them. All right. It's up for me as well. I mean, Twitter's based on short messages, but based on this idea of larger notes, which could appear as a link in your Twitter feed, I think this really could change how Twitter is used. I can see it working, though. I'm going to give this an up. Let's look at Meta, up or down? All right, Meta, I'm going with up. So it's in the news because it's formed a bit of a metaverse standard body with a few other tech giants. And it seems to have been able to take the lead in this space. And also worth noting, some of the big guys we might have been expecting to be in the group are not. The likes of Apple, for example, Roblox, Niantic. So it has managed to take the first step or first mover advantage in trying to set the standards for this space. Mark Zuckerberg is predicting that by the second half of the decade, in a few years recently, one billion consumers are going to use the metaverse and they will each spend hundreds of dollars there. If that's true, it's going to be a massive economy and definitely up for Zuckerberg and Meta. Time's going to tell though, right, with that one. Let's look at Alexa. All right, this is um, very interesting because you can hear... The dead again, in some sense, yes. because Amazon has come up with the technology to get Alexa to replicate people who have passed on. So if you have been you know, wondering if you can hear the voices of past celebrities, relatives who have passed on, they can now apparently do so. Looking at the latest demonstration in Las Vegas, um, they managed to get uh, a bit of a demo going on where a child asks, hey, Alexa, can grandma finish reading me The Wizard of Oz. Mm -hmm. And then they could because Grandma's voice came on and read the story. So it's not like the Alexa robotic type of voice. It was a more softer, human-like voice, um, just mimicking someone's actual um, voice that you might imagine like you and me. So something that's 
also quite interesting because I'm wondering if my job is now at risk. I don't think so, Ryan. I mean, it's all about inflection, don't you think? It's one thing to get the voice right based on. And all Alexa needs to do this, I understand, is less than a minute of a voice sample. Wow. But it's all about inflection. Don't you watch those YouTube videos and get... I'm wondering if it's just a matter of time before we get there as well. (laughs) AI. I don't know. It's kind of freaky talking to the dead or hearing the voice of a loved one who's not around anymore. I think this feature could take off though just because it is so strange and there is a human need to always want to connect. So I'm going to give it an up for Alexa and Amazon. Um, Would you like to program Alexa to mimic the voice of a loved one, Ryan? Um, I will have to think about it, but I don't mind programming, programming my own voice, so I don't have to come to work. <laughs> so you can talk no, no, to no. Alexa. I, I don't want to talk to Alexa. I want to talk to Ryan. Um, I don't mind programming the voice of, say, I don't know, my favorite celebrity waking me up in the Who, morning. Who's your favorite celebrity? Uh, I'm going to sound, I'm going to age myself here, but I love Dolly Parton. <laughs> That's a nice voice to uh, wake up to. <laughs> Such a gutsy lady. Now, briefly, the markets have closely been watching U.S. Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell as he testifies to the U.S. Congress about monetary policy. What is Powell saying about the likelihood of recession? Yeah, so pretty much it came through in his testimony on Capitol Hill to a committee. And tonight will be round two again. Uh, So something to look out for. And it comes through as his most explicit acknowledgement that he is not able to engineer a soft landing. So likely a recession on the cards, just a matter of time when. Uh, something that I think investors are trying to figure out, how do they digest this takeaway? Because on one hand, you have a potential recession coming soon. But on the other hand, he is giving some signals that the Fed is willing to recalibrate itself according to the data that comes through. So nothing is locked in in terms of aggressive rate hikes or not. Something that seems to giving some reassurance that the Fed is going to be responsive. So markets pretty much flat overnight and just slightly under pressure and I think still nervous. Tough tightrope to walk um, and always the need to rein in that 2% inflation rate. Let's turn to Singapore now. Jardine Cycling Carriage led the Straits Times Index lower yesterday. The SDI finished back below the support level, 3,100, falling three quarters of a percent to 1,393. What is the picture like this morning, Ryan? How's the SDI trading? Yeah, it's a bounce back from yesterday. So we've got 0.8% in the green right now for the STI. 3,118 and only one counter in the red and that is Janine Matheson Holdings which is down right now by 0.2% at $51.79. Worth noting, JMH was yesterday's biggest gainer so it's giving up some of those profits right now and looking at the top of the table we've got Capitaland Invest up by $2 or rather up by 2.96% at 383 followed by Ascenders REIT UOL Capital DC REIT Phrases LNC Trust Capital Integrated Trust SC Engineering Hong Kong Land Maple Tree Capital Corp City Dev Maple Tree Commercial Trust all of them up by at least 1% Thanks very much The Real Ryan Huang in the flesh for now I assure you all Before acting on the information on Money FM. Please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.